0: Hello, everybody. This is Rob Ferdinand with the podcast Pod, and uh, I have a special guest tonight. But I'm going to be talking about the movie It's a Wonderful Life. On the weekend of December 1st through December 3rd, It's a Wonderful Life, the live radio play will be playing at the Bartlett Performing Arts and Conference Center. And I'd like to thank Executive Director of the Conference Center, Michael Bollinger, for... uh, coordinating this interview with adam hogue he is george bailey in the play and i have him here on the podcast adam thank you very much for your time i know you're probably rehearsing so thank you very much
1: <laughs> oh thank you so much rob appreciate you uh, carving out some of your holiday time to uh fit us in and promote our little show um this is the second year of us doing it at bartlett and we're so glad that michael was able to revamp it i heard you shout him out a second ago michael's a great guy and we love working with him um and the fact that he was able to bring this back and willing to bring this back. Um, we're just so glad to be able to do it again.
0: Yeah. When uh, the Bartlett Performing Arts Center had their uh, new season come out, he told me it's a wonderful life. And I said, I want to do a podcast about it. And I want to talk about it. I was so excited when it came back. So what do you think about the movie itself before we get into your role as George Bailey? It's one of my all time favorite movies. I watch it on Christmas Eve and I watched it this past week just to get a feel for it. What do you think of the movie? It's a wonderful life starring Jimmy Stewart and Donna Reed, but the, what are your take on the movie?
1: Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna try my best not to be too cliche here with all of my responses, <laughs> but uh, I feel like anything I'm gonna say has probably been said a million times. I feel like it's the epitome, probably, of the all time feel good movie, the the everyman story um, that you know it, that so many people can relate to, especially during the holiday season when it somehow it always seems that the stresses of life hit us the most <laughs> and the hardest. So um, yeah, I think it's just one of those timeless. Um, Films that no matter what uh year it is, no matter what's going on, no matter um, the personal struggles the the financial struggles the um, the family struggles that someone may be going through, this movie always somehow seems to resonate in a very powerful way um, and it's one of those things that when you're doing a show like we are you you have to ride a fine line of You have to pay homage to something that everyone is so familiar with and has in their mind of what they expect and also tell it in a way that, you know, is not just a complete rehash and a complete just campy version of a terrible Jimmy Stewart impersonation and that kind of nonsense, you know, so, so I I feel like we've got a good balance. Um, Our director, Emily Chateau, she's a, she's headed this project for a number of years now and um, she's she's she knows what she's doing let me put it that way um and she's very um if if anyone was going to do it um I, i think that she probably has the best vision for it um and and being someone who's been able to work with her for so long um i've just been very blessed to you know be able to surround myself with not only her but also various cast members who um have come in and stepped into these roles and really really brought the characters to life um and so without going you know too too far into a rabbit hole back to your original question movie's amazing. One of my favorites of all time. Like you said a second ago, I watch it every year multiple times. Um, And and it's, uh, it's great to be a part of it.
0: The movie, when it came out, was budgeted, had a budget of $3 million, was not very successful. But yet, as time has gone on, it has been like a massive hit as time has gone on. I mean, now it's in public domain. You can watch it every Christmas Eve, I think, on NBC. Mm-hmm. So I find it fascinating that it's gained a popularity it has, has over the years. So you played George Bailey in the play, in the ra- uh, live radio play for It's a Wonderful Life. So what is it like playing George Bailey, and how do you go about preparing for the uh, the play itself? Because you have multiple performances. Let me get a plug in at the B Pack here in Bartlett, Tennessee. Friday, December 1st, 7.30 show. Then there's a matinee on December 2nd at 2 o'clock. I'll be at the seven thirty December second show on Saturday night, and then there is a Sunday matinee at two o'clock so uh just get us a so plug in there. I'll give the times at the end of this episode absolutely but what is it uh, what is it like playing George Bailey and do you have to like think about the movie when you get into that into that character? Well, you played it last year. I thought it was fascinating, so uh talk about that if you would
1: oh well, first of all, thank you for that. I appreciate that um but yeah it's a it's an honor let me let me say that and kind of what i alluded to a second ago it's 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 hard um because you know that everyone has such an affection for it and everyone has such um it it holds such a special place in everyone's hearts the film and the character itself and so when you do it um you you want to make sure that you are conveying all of those same emotions that people feel when they see the film the challenge is Jimmy Seward is amazing. <laughs> and so how do you fill in those shoes? You know? Um, so it's a, it, it's a challenge, but it's, it's so rewarding. Um, and I've just been, like I said, very blessed to work with a lot of people who've been able to help mold the character. Um, not so much from Adam doing it, but from how does, how do you see it? Um, how mm-hmm. does this person relate to it? Well, what does, what does this mean to this person? Or what was this person's favorite moment in the film and how can I make that special for them? Um, one person I can shout out in particular right now is uh, a lady named Patty. She plays my mom. She is a um, super just aficionado of This Wonderful Life. She she is a big fan. Um, goes to the to the Jimmy Stewart Museum and all that good stuff, and brings back trinkets. Um, and she has several favorite moments throughout the the show um, that we have brought in specifically because it was one of her favorite moments in the movie. And so it's just really cool to be able to like bring this to life. Um, And, you know, like you said, with your plug a second ago, what I always like to tell people with theater is that, you know, it's not like a movie, unlike, you know, this is, it's a wonderful life. Yeah. It's a movie, but with theater, if you don't see it when it's in the, when it's in the venue, it, that opportunity is gone. It's not like you can wait for it to come out on streaming or wait for it to come out on Blu-ray or back in the day it would have been Blockbuster or Redbox. But, but you know, if you want to see this and you want to really, um, I guess, experience it and, and live in the moment, um, you got, like you said, four chances. <laughs> Three yeah, days, four, four chances. Four. Um, and, and I'm glad to hear that you're going to be at one of them. I'm going to be looking for you now, and I'm going to have to stalk you and find out what row you're sitting in so I can make eye contact with you make you feel awkward. <laughs> Thank you, <laughs>
0: But uh, I I find that the movie is, and you think about George Bailey when he was uh, a a kid and then when he was uh, an adult, he had to fight. He had a a little of chutzpah against uh, Mr. Potter. He had to fight against him and saw that in his childhood and as he got older he always seemed not to get the breaks and that one part in the movie just is when he's looking in the camera he's hit rock bottom and that 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 when he's looking at the fear he knows something bad's going to happen we think something bad's going to happen it's just amazing how you can translate that into the play
1: yeah um it's it's really cool to be able to bring those moments to life kind of like I said and it's uh it's really great when you've got great um, co-stars and and our our mr potter is like you said you saw him last year we've got the same mr potter this year um everybody come out and see him he's he's great he's great to work with and we've got the same mary um and that's kind of the cool thing with, whenever you do the show multiple times you can bring back a lot of the characters and, and therefore your chemistry just gets stronger you know i mean it, you know, when you've got the, that familiarity already um and you kind of come back and you're like oh well, hey let's just kind of pick right back up where we left off um and the same thing goes for like i said patty um, who plays my mom she's done it every year that we've done it um uncle billy um he's he's one who's done it several times clarence uh so so yeah if, if you saw it last year like you said you're gonna see a lot of familiar faces which is really cool because you know as you said i thought we had a pretty strong show last year so <laughs> <laughs> to, to have these people come back and do it again and and pick up like i said and just keep building on that chemistry it's just gonna make it that much better so so yeah really glad to uh to be able to to have these folks dedicate some of their, again, holiday time to this show and this project and be able to bring it to the community.
0: Absolutely. When I was watching the play last year, I was, uh, the, I was visualizing the movie at points in the movie when also I, I thought that was, it was really awesome. I just had a good feeling you know, the parts of the movie, just, it just, I'm all about nostalgia. I love nostalgia and I just love the way the play was presented. It was just fabulous. So, so speaking about getting ready for the play, How often, when do you start rehearsing and how often do you rehearse before this? Because you have four shows a week, uh, December 1st through December 3rd. So how often do you have to rehearse and when do you actually start getting into that role and getting that traction to play George Bailey?
1: So we had our first rehearsal, um, I believe it was the weekend after Labor Day. Um, So like this, I think it was September 8th was our first rehearsal this, this time. Um, And it's, it's very, it's fun with community theater projects because a lot of our, you know, thespians um, have multiple projects going on at, at the same time. So you'll be rehearsing and you'll get there and you'll be running your scene. And all of a sudden you're looking for someone and they're not there and it's, oh, well, she's at X rehearsal tonight, or he's got this show tonight. And you're like, oh, well. I guess we'll see them whenever they get here. But um, (laughs) in that time, obviously, you just go and you work other scenes that you actually do have people there for. Um, So that's kind of why you start out so far to kind of give you that leeway and that edge and that kind of cushion. So when you do have people out or you've got people who can't make it for whatever reason, um, you've got time to kind of make that up, so to speak. Um, So, yeah, but all that to say, we started September 8th, I believe, and we've um, rehearsed pretty much about three to four times a week. Since then, Um, and it's, you know, it could be anywhere from two hours to, you know, three and a half, depending on what what goes on. Um, And then once as you get closer to the date, obviously, once you get closer to the date, it ramps up with everything from your technical aspects to your um, costume pieces and your props, you start bringing in all the fun stuff that, you know, really, really make you trip up all of a sudden that you, you know, cause you've been practicing, you've been pantomiming the whole time and now you've got a holding bouquet of flowers in your hand and you didn't realize, Oh, I've got to put this down at some point. So um, there's all that fun aspect of it. But, uh, but yeah, so it's, it's a long process. It's arduous, but it's a labor of love. And especially for a lot of people involved, it is um, because this, this movie has touched so many people. And I think the opportunity to be able to be involved in it um, really just is one of those things that you just can't pass up. <laughs> um, and if I, agree, else,
0: I agree. And uh, yeah. if, if I would implore people to go see this play, this radio play. If they start it right after Labor Day, that's three months of uh, putting work in. And I guarantee when you see this, you will be absolutely floored walking out of there. It's, it's an unbelievable depiction of the movie itself. It's a wonderful life. So, just getting back to the movie a little bit. I always find that middle part there where George was going through that struggle there and he was going to different people when uh, Clarence was taking him around for that hour, just to, you know, see that George was not around anymore. And he kept on going to the people he knew to say his mother and his mother, he hit rock bottom. And then when Mary was an old maid at the library, that really was a shocker. But, uh, Talk about that in the movie, I, I since you're playing George Bailey. But talk about that that dynamic of, of Jimmy Stewart in that sequence there when he was with Clarence.
1: Oh yeah, I mean obviously um, he's one of the better character actors of all time. Whether he's you know being his younger self or you know whether it's, you know you can't take it with you or it's Wonderful Life or one of those older yeah. films or. Whether it's him being a Western, you know, sheriff in one of his later years, um, Jimmy Stewart's one of those who who you just can't help but love, no matter what he does. And and he, um, I guess that sequence is probably is probably the most powerful because it shows exactly what could happen, obviously, if George never exists, and that is something that a lot of people, until it's portrayed right in front of them in such a vivid way. They don't really think about it. I'm sure everyone's ever had, you know, had a thought one time or another of, you know, oh, man, I just wish I wasn't here. I wish I didn't live here. I wish I I didn't have this job. Um, It doesn't have to be the extreme of never being born. It can be something as I wish I didn't go to this school or something like that. Mm -hmm. Well, if you didn't, you don't know how many people's lives you affect and and how many circumstances – would have been you know negative if you weren't there the same thing with you know george bailey and and mr potter and the and the medicine in the beginning when he's young and he saves mr potter from poisoning someone so you just never know um and, and to see jimmy stewart be so affected by all these people that he had at once at one point in his life had this positive relationship and this positive rapport with and 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 now to see what they've become and see what they are without him um you know it it, it The way that he, you know, I guess gives those emotions to the audience is like something that you can't help but feel. Um, And then that kind of gets the wheel spinning in your mind of, you know, well, maybe I shouldn't be so negative. Maybe, maybe I need to be, you know, more grateful for the position I'm in. Like I said, it doesn't have to be, I wish I was never born. I wish I was dead. It can be, I I wish I didn't work here. I, I wish I didn't live in this city, you know, something like that. You just never know how your life affects somebody around you.
0: Yeah, I found also another part in the movie and uh, the part where they got married, he and Mary got married and they're in the limousine and they're having the time of their life. They're getting driven to, they had the wad of cash and then it starts raining. So it was kind of like a gloomy part in the movie, but you saw the people, they had a run at the bank and he's running in the rain and then he's facing the people, all the depositors at the bank. And it's like, uh-oh, something bad's going to happen. It was just like, his whole life just snapped or switched in just like an instant from being married to the, the bank problem. So again, it's a truly remarkable film, but what do you feel like when you play, like when you play those parts in the play about that those sequences in the movie, do you, do you like really get in, you must really get into that character, don't you?
1: Uh, oh yeah. I, I think, um, you know, I don't want to sound, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know conceited or anything by any means, but I I, I do feel like I, I really do relate to this in a lot of ways, and it's it's not just me. I know it's a lot of people. It's one of those just timeless tales of best laid plans. You have this vision in your head, you have this you know goal or or this you know thing that you want to achieve, and then something happens, like you said, to come along and derail it. Even if it's your wedding day, <laughs> like yeah, you just never know. Crazy. And it, and it happens so many times to George Bailey, whether he's trying to go off to college and then he can't, you know, it's because dad dies. And then, you know, his brother goes off and his brother becomes super successful. And, and he's watching that from the sidelines and he can't help but think that should have been me, you know. But at, at the same time, you know, you're guilt. You feel guilty because, well, I want to be proud of my brother. You know, I love him. And George is going all throughout town, showing her by the newspapers. Look at that. How you like that, huh? But at the same time, you know, George is feeling like, gosh, I I just I can't do this. So then he he decides, you know what, when Harry gets back, then I'll go. Well, Harry gets back. George is all excited. I've got my brochures here. I'm going to go to Venezuela oil fields, all that good stuff. Oh, yeah. Harry, Harry drops the bomb on him. Oh, I got married. This is Ruth Dick, and Bailey. Yeah, he, now you can't. Now you can't. Go. <laughs> yeah, and it just it happens over and and those are just two little random examples with his brother. It happens with his job, with with other people in his life, with with girlfriends and Mary. I mean, it happens over and over to him, and you just can't help but be like, "My goodness, brother! Like, what is? You, how can just one fella take all this? And and in a in a way you know it's dramatized because it's it's all condensed into you know a a, a movie but when you really you know kind of let that resonate with yourself in your own life it's hard not to just feel that way sometimes that no matter what you do no matter how you know positive you try and be and, and and what you're looking forward to something comes along and pulls the rug out from under you and and to be able to uh you know obviously i i don't think i will ever say that I do anything on the level that, that George Bailey, Jimmy Stewart does it. <laughs> but, but I think that Adam Hogue, Jimmy Stewart, I, I think that I um, do a decent job. Um, I, like I said, I've done it thank a couple of years, are. but well, thank you. I, I, I appreciate that, but I, I just enjoy it. And I, and I get to kind of live out those feelings because you know, it's, it's theater. So it's make believe. Um, but in a way when you can tap into some of those real personal emotions and be like, man, I, you know, I, I wish I wouldn't have, messed that thing up when I was in school or I wish I wouldn't have let this friendship go and you can be like, hey, let me live that out on stage and if, if my portrayal can touch someone in the audience and they can have some sort of positive reaction from that and take something special away from that, then then that just means more to me.
0: Yeah, let's talk about Clarence a little bit. Uh, I thought he was, in the movie, was a perfect, but that part he played. Um, Henry Travers played Clarence. That was just absolutely a sensational performance. He really... George was kind of stubborn towards Clarence, but Clarence pretty much, he held held the line and he pretty much told George, you know, this is, no one knows who you are. And at the end of the movie, everybody knows the ending, but uh, that Tom Sawyer book was the conduit for, because you really don't see Clarence at the end of the movie. Usually you see movies where like there's a climax at the end of the movie and everybody's the happy ending, but he doesn't show up at the end of the movie. So, he was an important part but he's not there at the very end i found that to be a fascinating dynamic in the movie
1: yeah and and i guess if you want to um be devil's advocate and argue you you can't argue that his spirit is there you know some something has to ring that bell on that tree something something rings that bell i mean i don't know i didn't see any hands on it but yeah um but yeah it's it's absolutely a very powerful thing and it's really cool one of the little tidbits and fun facts of our show which there are a lot of fun facts about our show but um One of them is the props that we use. We use a lot of older props. A lot of them are period, um, every, everything from the newspapers we use and some of the magazines that you'll see, um, like the secretaries and stuff reading on stage. Um, but one of the things that we use that's, um, that is an exact replica is the Tom Sawyer book, um, that Clarence has throughout the Mm -hmm. entire movie. Um, and he, uh, i don't know it's really cool that emily was able to get it um and so watching our clarence his name sam watching watching our clarence walk around with it it's just it's really cool because as you mentioned our sam our our clarence our sam of course he is he's our sam and our clarence (laughs) he's uh he's great um and and he's he's such a, a a great portrayal of that character um and and to have that book that it's exactly what you would see in the movie. Um, if you're sitting on one of the first few rows and you're lucky enough to, you can see it that close, um, mm-hmm. which hint, hint, buy your tickets. Uh, it's yeah, it's really ticket. cool to be able to just kind of, yeah, it's really cool to just be able to take that in and, and have that extra little tidbit to bring it to life.
0: Yeah. I thought um, that part of the movie where he, at the end of the movie where he opened it up and George was the way he goes, he, he winked at George, he winked at uh, Clarence up at the, uh, up at the sky, the stars And uh, Zuzu says, an angel gets the wings, you know, angel gets his wings. And I thought that was just that whole ending. I don't think it was corny. I thought it was, I thought it was a fascinating ending to that movie.
1: Mm -hmm. It's timeless. It's it's timeless. It's one of those things that's quoted, you know, Citizen Kane and, you know, everything else that you want to put up there with, with yeah. movie quotes of all time. It's, it's one of those. Um, and I will say, uh, you know, um, our Zuzu is adorable. She's, she's so tiny. <laughs> she's so, she's so tiny, but man, she, she nails her part. Um, she's very young and she's, it's great to see kids, um, get that involved that young because, you know, the sky's the limit. If you're doing Zuzu and you're nailing it this young, oh man, you're going to be a star by the time you're like 11. Yeah. So.
0: <laughs> what about the uh, what about the the actual play itself? So, you know, how do you like? For me, I've always said to, uh, on my podcast, I've talked to singers and um, artists and things like that, musicians, and I, I, I could never stand in front of a stage and, and perform because I would freeze. So, how do you? Well, not
1: with that you attitude, want... you wouldn't. What's that? <laughs> so, not with that attitude, you couldn't.
0: I could. I. I, <laughs> I would freeze. I would. I would. I. I lose. How do you like? uh, remember the sequences of the scenes and the lines. I find that fascinating just like without missing a beat. I always find that pretty cool.
1: Yeah. It's, um, I mean, you know, if you've got a, uh, a favorite song, you know, and you listen to it over and over, you kind of learn it. You're like, that's cool. Well, then if you've got a favorite album and you listen to it from start to finish over and over and you know what song is coming next. And like when one song ends, you're already singing the next song in your head. It, it's kind of the same thing. It's, it's a repetitive, um, just kind of muscle memory. Some of it, a lot of the motions, um This helps because we are very similar to the movie. So growing up watching the movie as many times as I did, um, learning these lines as you're going through the script, you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, (laughs) I recognize this. So that makes it better um, as opposed to picking up, picking up something that you're completely cold with and have no idea what you're reading. Um, So, yeah, but it's a, a lot of these, you know, what we talked about earlier with the, uh, the long rehearsal process, that's kind of another you know way that that comes in, in handy here is, you know, because it does take time to to drill these things into your head. And and if, if it's not the lines themselves, it's like I said earlier, the props working with the bouquet of flowers that, Oh gosh, what do I do with this now? Um, it's, and it's a lot of, uh, you know, coordination with an entire group, um, because we've got several group scenes where it's multiple moving pieces. Um, and also our set, our set moves, um, because as this show, and we may, we're going to get into this, but if, I'll go ahead and jump into it now. <laughs> our our set um, is set up as a radio studio. Um, and then as the show progresses, the radio studio, studio um, opens and you're in Bedford Falls. We've got screen projections in the background and then you've yeah. got characters acting in the town. So it's not just a standard stand at a microphone and read your lines the whole time radio play as people right. are probably thinking when they read the title as this is promoted. But um, yeah, it's, it's very interactive. It's very visual. Um, it's got a lot of, uh, like I said, references straight from the movie, a lot of projections straight from the movie. Um, so it's one of these things that if, if you are a fan of either you know Jimmy Stewart himself or the movie itself, or just Christmas in general, and you're not a Grinch, <laughs> I mean, then this is probably going to be one of those experiences you really don't want to miss out on.
0: You know, uh, real real quick. I'm a radio geek. I like listening to old radio classics. You know, old radio shows. You know, with back mm-hmm. in the fifties. And I had, I got that feel when I was watching it last year. The the play just that you had the radio studio. I believe um, I found that. I I I like that. It's like it's nostalgic to me for to to see it in that sense at, at the beginning of the play. I thought that was uh, thought that was pretty awesome. Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah, it's really it's really it's really cool. Um, what else do you think about the, the movie itself as far as, um, you know, some things that you you find that you pick up new things as you're like maybe this year that you didn't know last year about the movie? Or is it some new things like new aha moments about the movie?
1: Yeah, I always think um, every time you watch it, you can pick out little things, little nuances here and there um, that maybe you just overlooked, or maybe at one point you were laughing. And so because you were laughing and had your eyes closed, your head thrown back, you didn't notice something else that happened that, you know, then the next time watching it, you didn't laugh as hard, but, oh, now I noticed this. That's funny too. Um, it, yeah, there's, a, there's a lot of those. Like I, you know, and as you grow, um, I, I think as I've grown up, especially cause I started watching it so young, there were things that it, it got funnier to me just because my age, maybe relate to it more. One of them being, um, when, George and Clarence go into Martini's bar after, you know, George has wished that he was never born and Clarence has offered a drink and Clarence doesn't really know how to respond. He's kind of awkwardly laughs as a kid. You don't get that, but as an adult, you're like, Oh yeah, he's an angel. He can't drink. Ha ha. But he wants to, and he can't say no. What would Joseph think? Who's watching him? It's the whole thing. So, so yeah, there, there are several things like that, that, uh, that I I can't help but uh but smile at when I re- remember back on. What about yourself? Let me ask you. I've done a lot of talking. Let me ask you what I, some of your moments are in this movie that well, this jump out I, to I you. Know what?
0: I watched the movie. I like that part when he, I believe you said milk and the uh, bartender like they threw him out, <laughs> mm-hmm. threw him out yep. of the scene there. But I I I, I watched it this past How'd
1: you week and go and Through that, the door and out the window.
0: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I found that to be that was like whoa. I mean that was pretty uh, that was pretty. Pretty violent, but I, I watched it this past week, and I didn't. I've always keyed on George and Mary. I keyed on Mister Potter this week when I watched it. He was a bad dude. I mean, he oh, yeah, like he wanted to like stick it to the Bailey. He tried to stick it to George's father, and then he really didn't think much of the Baileys uh, in of itself. And then when Uncle Billy went to uh, gloat about Harry being, you know, getting the award at the White House. I found that fascinating. You know, the money was inside there and Mr. Potter got the money. And I remember him opening the door and seeing uncle Billy scouring around the bank. And I said, just give him the money, just give him the money. He just never did that. That'd
1: be too easy. (laughs) The movie would be over. you know. (laughs) Yeah.
0: And and just some other things too, like uh, the scene there where he uh, wanted to offer George, you know, a job and uh, George gets that big cigar. And then, Mr. Potter sitting up and Harry sitting on this chair like he's like, you know, you could see like Mr. Potter was over him and George is like this, I found that and then Potter has that picture of him behind him he was all about Mr. Potter, and then he scenes that you saw for uh, George you always had his father in the background on the wall which I found he was show what a good guy he was that's what I thought I mean it was just fascinating. And then also, too, you know, in the movie, the beginning part when they were children, you see like Coca-Cola and National Geographic because that was in, what, 1919 when he was a child. So I found that, to, you know, that those things still endure today, National Geographic, Coca-Cola. So it's just uh, it brings back a lot of uh, nostalgia when you see that.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's and same thing, as I said a second ago, with some of our props and some of our decorations. We've been able to get some of those older things and like some of the signs, like what we were talking about, the radio studio earlier. Um, Hanging on the wall of the set piece for the radio studio is a picture of, uh, I think it's WXYZ in Detroit, uh, the radio station, whatever it is. Yeah, and it's – I mean it's – and that's the radio station. And then when you hear the – I guess the the voiceover in the beginning of the show – it's that's where it's being broadcast from so it's just like ah you know everything ties yeah. together it's it's very it's, and it's it's really subtle um but and it's one of those things that i, I hate to plug myself so so much but oh. if you if you really want to catch everything you might want to come see it twice you know <laughs> one of those things okay. um
0: the, the, the it's of wonderful life the live radio play plays at the bartlett performing arts and conference center here in bartlett tennessee it's december 1st to december 3rd <laughs> friday night 7 30 December 1st, December 2nd, 2 o'clock p.m. Saturday matinee. And then I'll be at the 7.30 show December 2nd on Saturday. And then on December 3rd, there's a Sunday matinee at 2 o'clock as well. And tickets are $30, $30 to see a great play. I guarantee you'll have a good feeling when you leave that fact on that Saturday. And uh, it's really a fascinating, fascinating play. Uh, what are some other thoughts you have before we close here about the uh, getting ready for next weekend? Cause I'm, I'm really looking forward to it.
1: Well, I just think that it's probably the best way that you can, you can kick off your holiday season. I mean, it's immediately after Thanksgiving, literally the first weekend of December. Um, it's a great way to support a lot of local artists, um, a lot of local actors. You'll be able to meet a lot of these folks after the show. Um, a lot of times most of the actors and the cast will come out to the lobby to shake hands and, and meet and group the fans. Um, I say fans like we've got you know like we're some touring group well, look at us we, but now, oh, you know what I mean we are fans there we are fans,
0: the people who be there are fans, yes we are <laughs>
1: appreciate that. appreciate that, but yeah it's just a great way to support um the local arts because as you know um there's a there's a thriving theater community in Memphis, um a lot of local companies and a lot of local venues that do a lot of shows throughout the years um and and it's just great to be a part of um bpac who doesn't really do i mean if you know Pack's schedule they do a lot of um touring acts and a lot of you know guys that you'll see playing different cities all over the place um they rarely do they might do one or two a year um of local actors and so to be able to jump on board with bpac and have this experience and this opportunity and bring it to the community like i said the first weekend of december kick off your holiday and christmas spirit um i just don't think there's a better way to do it and I, again, want to thank you, Rob, for having me on here and talking about this. Um, it's been great. And thank you again for coming back and seeing us for our reprise this year. You know, after seeing us last year, I'm glad we didn't scare you away.
0: <laughs> oh, no, no, I cannot wait. Uh, I'm totally excited. Like with Michael Bollinger, the director of the Bartlett Performing Arts Center, uh, told me uh, after the season was announced that it's a wonderful life. I uh, said, I, would, I need to get you need to talk about this on my podcast about the show and uh i think it's going to be tremendous and uh i look forward to meeting you next week uh after the show on saturday what else uh, one any other parting words you, you have uh before we uh before we stop
1: well i will say that as you mentioned tickets are 30 dollars a piece um i looked at our ticket sales cuz i i'm one of those who likes to you know hawk over things and, and vulture Absolutely. around and circle and see how things are going and uh, i will say that the saturday afternoon right now is has the largest audience so if you were planning on going saturday afternoon you might want to get your ticket soon um because that one was selling pretty quickly the afternoon shows tend to sell pretty quickly um and and so yeah if you were playing on saturday afternoon don't don't delay on that um the rest yeah absolutely we'd love to see you guys multiple times don't just come once rob come all come every other performance one. I'll, I'll tell you what, <laughs>
0: if if you don't get to the saturday matinee show please go to the saturday night show i guarantee You will have a great time seeing this. It's absolutely tremendous, tremendous play. So, Adam Hogue, I want to thank you very much for coming on my podcast. I know uh, with the holidays here uh, and your schedule is so tight, I really do appreciate the time that you did come on. So, thank you very much.
1: Yes, sir. Thank you again. Look forward to seeing you Saturday.